to launch our new podcast today, Horror, Wine, and Crime, and we are your hosts, KK and Lo. We are the Great Lakes Girls. We are home of the ever-loving Fago, Better Made Chips, and when you're sick, just drink a Verner's. Always. It's a go-to. Yeah. Before we start, we want to give a shout-out to our favorite podcasters uh, that inspire us, which is Ash and Britt from Crime Junkies. Our boys in the garage, Nick and the captain. We love your gym. <laughs> and our ever-loving Dateline. Keith Morrison, shout out. <laughs> and I know they're not crime, but we love them, and we listen to them all day while I work. And that is Armchair Expert, Zach and Monica. Love them. They're the best. The OGs. Yes. Um, I feel like Zach Shepard is my best friend. He doesn't know I am, yeah. but we are. We're secretly in their group. Wanting to join that mm-hmm. squad. <laughs> so we know that there's a lot of true crime shows out there, but we thought we would take a different spin and talk about the horror movies with a twist of true crime. So one week it might be a horror movie, the next week it might be a true crime story. Sometimes it's the best of both worlds. Yes. All the scary stuff that you're wanting. So this isn't our full-time gig. It's just kind of like a a passion project. You know, we love horror and true crime. Uh, So we figure, and we love podcasts, so we figured why not, you know, turn it all into one. And hopefully one day it'll turn into something bigger. So don't judge us too harshly on everything. We're just doing this on our off time. Um, And yeah, we, we just are excited to get going. And of course, we are called Horror, Wine, and Crime. So each episode, we're going to shout out the, the wine that we're drinking. Uh, today, we're starting out with a glass of spiced peach wine from the Bavarian Inn Frankenmuth Collection. Very yummy. And it is so good. And it is from my in-laws, Pat and Julie Miller. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you. It's delicious. So get your glass of wine or, you know, beer, whiskey, liquor, whatever you're drinking. Uh, and let's just, let's get this going. So we are start, starting out today talking about the Amityville Horror. I'm sure a lot of you know about it, but we have some, some of the background facts that a lot of people don't know. Um, and there's so much that goes into it. So I'm very excited to get this going. Our star, story starts with Ron DeFeo, Ron DeFeo Jr. He was born September 26th. 1951. He kind of kicks off this Amityville story. Uh, He was born to his parents, Ronald DeFeo Sr. and Louise DeFeo, and he has three younger siblings, excuse me, four, John, Allison, Mark, and John Matthew. Um, Kind of a little bit of a backstory on Ron Jr. He was known to be a drug user. He used drugs such as heroin and LSD. I did not know, so that's kind of an interesting fact that also plays into this story. He also suffered from mental health issues. Um, He suffered from personality disorder and from depression. Um, So that kind of gives a different spin to the whole story as well. Now, Rhonda Fayo was actually married a few times. He was married once before the murders happened to a Geraldine Gates. Um, the relationship started in 1973. They met at a bar. They had a few drinks together, and eventually that led them to be lovers. 
they ended up having a daughter who was born in New Jersey on August 21st, 1974. However, she is not registered anywhere in the state of New Jersey or New York or anywhere. Um, after the murders happened, she took her daughter and they went off the grid, which... Understandable. <laughs> yeah. According to DeFeo, after his daughter was born, his father forced him into marrying Gates. To support that claim, the marriage occurred at the Garfield Grant Hotel in Long Branch on October 17, 1974. Gates presented a photocopy of the marriage certificate. However, nobody can find an actual copy of it. Um, the state of New Jersey does not show any record of it. There was a pastor, Thomas J. Baldino Jr. He was actually the city's magistrate. Mm -hmm. um, he does not recall doing it and claims that he retired in 64, so he did not do any marriages performed on after that date. Shady, shady. Yeah, so I'm not really sure what's going on with yeah. that, but... Long or short after the murders happened and he was convicted, they got divorced and she took off anyway. According to IMDb, he was married to Barbara Fuko from 1994 to 1999. After the conviction, he married another woman, Tracy DeFeo, in 2004. That divorce date is unknown. I couldn't find the exact date. And then his last wife, Nisha Burkhalter, with whom he was together from June 2012 to July 2015. Now, Ronald J. DeFeo was found guilty on November 21st, 1975, on six counts of second-degree murder and was sentenced to six, 25 years to life. So he stayed in prison until his death of March 12th, so that actually just happened. Yeah. Wow. Now, his net worth was reported to be between $1 and $5 million between 2019 and 2020. That is crazy. It's super crazy. So high. And the fact that he just got married, like, you know, a couple times while in prison. Yeah, it did say from his first wife that his whole macho man attitude and it was all just a facade. He mm -hmm. really wasn't. As, okay. It's like a front he put up. Yeah, that he really was a gentle person. Now, like you had stated, there's a lot of drugs going through him. Right. So who knows when and what changed. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh, my gosh. So, you know, the, the Annieville Horror House story is widely known. But I know some people don't know about all the details and all of the events that took place. So, this took place all the way back in the 1970s. The house, famously on 112 Ocean Avenue in a small town called Amityville in Long Island, New York. It was first built around 1924 for owners John and Catherine Moynihan. But fast forward 50 years to the night of November 13, 1974. A horrific event took place, leaving a family of seven with lost lives. So, the family living at the time was the DeFeo family. Um, and on that night, Ronald DeFeo Jr. decided to 
go into each of his family members' bedrooms and shoot them right in their right in their beds when they were sleeping. This took place at 3.15 in the morning, which is a, an important detail you want to keep in mind while we go through the story. Um, yeah, he used a Marlin rifle. Um, I believe he shot all of them in their beds except for the younger sister. That I think he shot her in the closet, correct? That's how the book and the movies portray it, so yeah. I'm assuming that's kind of how it went. Yeah. Yeah. Um, after he, you know, shot all of his family members, he decided to go to the local bar called Henry's Bar. Interesting choice, you know, to just head to the bar right after that. Um, but he alerted everyone inside that he thought that his mother and father had been shot. Um, like, he didn't take the blame for it, but he just said he believed that they were shot. So, he and six other people went back to the house, um, and, you know, Sure enough, they found all the family members dead in their beds, and a friend called the police to investigate. They actually took uh, Ron Jr. to the station for his protection because he suggested to the officers that the shootings had been carried out by Louis Bellini, which was a mob hitman. But after, you know, a lot of investigation and talking with Ron Jr., there were so many inconsistencies in his story and in his timeline of events that it ultimately led to him confessing to killing his family members the next day. He detailed to police how once he started, he just felt like he couldn't stop. After he killed them, he took a bath, he changed clothes, he got rid of all the crucial evidence, such as the bloodstained clothes and the gun cartridges. Um, so yeah, he kind of hid all of his stuff and just ran straight to the bar. <laughs> yeah, I did read and... Um... I don't know if it's true or not, mm -hmm. but I did read recently that he cleaned it up with a pillowcase. Oh, really? Yeah, and then he put the gun inside it. Okay. And then hid the, the pillowcase the with, the with the gun. Because there, I'm not going to dig deep into it because I there was a lot of yes, no. Right. But some of them did claim that he might have had the girlfriend or the wife help him. Okay. I mean, because honestly... That's got that can't be easy to shoot that many people. You know, you think that's kind of where they're going for it. But a lot yeah. of people, like you just said in the notes, they were all drugged asleep. So if they took out mom and dad first and then did the kids that were right, but I don't know like the hundred percent truth on that. So I'm not gonna dig deep on that. Yeah, that was just a little tidbit that it's a conspiracy that might that have. um I recently found. So I don't know. If because that is interesting. He was married at the time with a child, so it's like, well, where were they? So it would make sense if they were if they were there and she helped him. But, yeah, that's crazy. Uh, so his trial began on October 14th, 1975, and he actually claimed defense of insanity uh, for killing his family members because he said that he heard their voices in his head plotting against him. Uh, later in court, his plea of insanity was supported by the psychiatrist working for the defense. Um, the psychiatrist for the prosecution said that although DeFeo was a user of heroin and LSD and that he suffered from antisocial personality disorder, he was aware of his actions at the time. So you got to wonder, you know, did the drugs and the personality disorder, you know, get the best of him, was he having an episode, and then that kind of caused him to 
go off the rail and kill his family members or what it was it premeditated you know there's so many questions. yeah i mean if you're on prescription medication mm-hmm. and then you drop some acid or lsd i'm gonna assume that an upper and a downer is not gonna not a good mix. go you know yeah, yeah it's not gonna mix well so who knows? And then was he drinking too? I right. don't know. Yeah. So yeah, I'm guessing just the drugs of the two different kinds, it probably tweaked something. Yeah, put him over the edge. The snap. Yeah. Yeah, there were some controversies that were discussed during the trial. You know, like how all the victims were laying dead face down on their beds. He claimed that he drugged his family members before the killing. However, though, an autopsy and blood test confirmed that there was no form of drugs found inside of the family members' bodies. So that's interesting, you know, how he got them all face down on the bed and shot them all without drugging them. Um, Another controversy was that, you know, how no neighbors reported even hearing the gunshots. You know, you hear, they heard the dog barking, though, they said. But I think we talked about this, too. It was three in the morning. It was fall time, so it was cold outside, so nobody had their windows open. So it could have been, like, not able to hear. If everybody's in their houses and sleeping. And if it's upstairs in the back of the house. and um, We did talk to, actually, my husband about it because he does know some of his stuff, Mm -hmm. being a hunter and all that stuff. He even kind of confirmed, you know, that he believed those guns as they are loud, but in the middle of the night, again, in the back of the house, right. depending on where it was, that you might not have even blinked. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, then uh, the Lutz family moved in a year later. They did. They purchased that house for $80,000. They decided they were just... They were going all in. They put everything they had to get this house. Kathy wanted this house so bad. <laughs> so they went for it. Now, that house online, I've seen it go from $605,000. And and some places it says $850,000. Woo! Yeah, that's a, that's a chunk of change right there. Yeah, too bad it didn't go all crazy. They could have made a real good profit. <laughs> right, exactly. But would it be worth what it is if it wasn't a story attached no, to it? No, for sure. It's a nice looking house, but it's not worth that much. It doesn't have the stigma. Yeah, exactly. So they're newlyweds. They move in with their children, and they're actually Kathy's children, though. George is the stepfather. He is the stepfather to Christopher, Missy, and George. I'm sorry. And then they also have a dog, Harry. Uh, Kathy's first husband did pass away a year prior to the story. Um, I'm not sure exactly how, but they decide to get the house. Everything's great. They want a blessing from the pastor. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they call the father and like, hey, can you come bless this house? Um, While they were unpacking and just enjoying life they decided they were gonna just go take a little boat ride out get out of the house just yeah you know it's a nice day they're tired of unpacking and then uh father shows up ralph pepperaro Pepper- sorry about the 
pronunciation. <laughs> not exactly sure how it's pronounced. Yeah. Um, he shows up to do his passage, and they're not there, so he just, you know, nothing to it. I'll just go in and do my thing. Right. So he heads upstairs, and he goes into what they call the sewing room, which is Kathy's, like, craft room. And as soon as he gets in there, the window slams shut, the door slams shut. He's like, okay, well, that escalated fast. Yeah. <laughs> and he's not feeling well. All of a sudden, he's kind of, like, sweaty, and you could feel, like, almost flu symptoms immediately. Yeah. And then they're really, ugh, flies. There's so many flies. Ugh. And by so many, Chills. I mean, like, hundreds. Not yeah. just. And they're on the windows, the walls. They're even, like, all over his face. And he's kind of can't even stand anymore and he pulls himself together and he just hears this voice as the door whips open you know to get out <laughs> i'd be right out of there and he was yeah he's like <laughs> peace you know and so he leaves and kathy and the family have no idea that he's even came along so as the day goes on she's like well i'm kind of wondering you know what happened to father yeah so he tries to call her, and it's nothing but static. Mm-hmm. She can't get through. They can't talk. He's trying to warn her, like, something's not right. Yeah. Um, as he's on the phone with her, he gets these boils on his hands. Yeah. He can't even hold the phone. They're just, like, burning. He still has this flu problem. On the drive home, his hood of his car actually flings up, and he can't turn the wheel, and the car kind of just turns into like a Christine moment. Yeah. It like took on a life of its own. And that was another part of why he's like, okay, something's not right. So um He was for sure being warned. Yes. <laughs> so she he didn't really get to tell the Lutz right away what was going on. Yeah. Now George, um, I think he starts to feel it pretty quick something's happening. He <laughs> Throughout the whole 28 days that they were there, he's cutting wood. He's chopping wood. He's always cold. He cannot get warm. Like, every day, I need more wood. Just constant wood chopping from him. Yeah. And then, you know, they say that the kids were good kids. Mm -hmm. George was, you know, in love with the kids. They never had to yell at them. They were always just mild-mannered. Well... George starts to get snippy, even, you know, with Kathy, with the kids, and she's just like, what's wrong with you lately? Yeah. Like, you know, so she's like, okay, well, maybe this is what's going on. Right. Um, so that was, like, the beginning of it, and then there was a scene where they talk about there's, like, this black ooze tar-looking stuff, like, in all the toilets. Yeah. It was really Disgusting. gross. So they're just kind of like, well, we'll get a plumber out here, right, you know, yeah. like, we'll figure it out. But it doesn't last, it just kind of dissipates. dissipates. Yeah. yeah, so they're like, huh, okay. Right, kind of just like blowing the little things happening off as like coincidences or just weird things. Yeah, um, there is a point where they have a silver cross that she hangs on the wall, it kind of mm-hmm. flips upside down. Bro, disgusting, I hate that. I hate when I see that in movies. <laughs> the so worst like, thing ever. That's not really a good thing. <laughs> yeah. Kind of not the greatest omen. <laughs> yeah, and even after we did this movie, funny thing is 
I knocked over like little mini ones. Like an exit, like by like, cleaning someone's desk, and I'm like, Ew. "Oh dear God, that's not a good sign." <laughs> not a good sign. <laughs> what did I do? Um, but so the family begins to experiment, experience some paranormal activity. Um, Kathy levitates in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. George does not tell her. He kind of gets her to sink back down, and then wakes her and she jerks awake and he just kind of told her that she was sleeping yeah like almost like having a bad dream or something yeah and then um she has this lion it's like a cement lion yeah it was made of stone of some sort and uh so it moves and it like freaks her out and uh she doesn't tell George that that happened. Right. So their communication skills aren't exactly up no. to par here Their either. problems would be solved so much sooner if they were just like, listen to what happened to me, listen to what happened to me. They would kind of put two and two together and be like, okay, something weird's going on. Yeah, but I think they were both trying to not sound crazy yeah. to each other. Right. Um, Kathy did see some glimpse of some ghosts. Mm-hmm. I don't think she was like 100% um, sure what was going on. But uh, she will uh, just keep going on life, taking care of the kids. Yeah. Well, then her daughter um, keeps talking about Jody, mm-hmm. And now, I don't know if her daughter had an imaginary friend before. I think it said she kind of, you know, was normal. And uh, later, they start to see that Jody isn't even a girl. Yeah. It's a pig. It's a pig. With these big, beady, Super red eyes. Super random. Now, if you watch the remake of the movie, it is a little girl. Yeah. It's um, one of the DeFeo girls, I believe. Mm-hmm. But in the book, in the original movie, it's a pig. Yeah. George sees the pig from a distance. And uh, she, uh, he doesn't really say anything either again. I think he's just like... Kind of brush it off. Yeah. Um, so... It's starting to escalate a little bit. Yeah. You know. She calls her aunt, who is a nun. She comes over and she tries to do kind of like a blessing to the house. Yeah. And she gets sick as well. Yeah. She can't stay in the house. And she runs off and she just, you know, Kathy's like, wait, you know, where are you going? And she's like, I can't, I can't. And she just kind of leaves. <laughs> Which I'm like. Why wouldn't you say something? Like, at least with the priest, he tried. Nobody was there when he was there, and he left and tried. But, like, she's, her aunt is right there. Like, why wouldn't she say, like, something's wrong in this house. I feel weird about something going, the energy in this house. Unless she was just so, like, overwhelmed with feeling sick that she just was like, I need to get out of here. Kind of that's what I was thinking. And maybe she's like, I'll try calling her later. But yeah, they don't really show how... um, how it escalates. Yeah. yeah. So, um, meanwhile, they're living life as normal. Right. Um, but, again, she's starting to put some things together Yeah, here. she's like, there's too many weird things going on here. George is waking up at 3.15 mm-hmm. on the dot every night. Yeah. You know, get up, he checks the children, he checks, you know, his wife, but he's like, Again, he's cold, he's sweaty, flu-like symptoms. 
He's feeling angry. Yeah. Um, he ends up, I think, at one point going downstairs, just wrapping up with a blanket and putting some more logs in the fire. Like, yeah. You know. And then, uh, so, um, Kathy, at one point, uh, her face turns into, like, an 80-year-old woman. Yeah. Like, it gets... It doesn't last too long either, but it's... She totally can tell. Yeah, and it gets hard, and George's seen it, Mm -hmm. and she's seen it in the mirror, and she's like, what is wrong with me, (laughs) you know? And then, again, it dissipates pretty fast, but I think that's part of, like, okay, something... Yeah, because they both saw it at that point. Yeah, it wasn't like before when one would experience one thing, and then they were just kind of, like, not saying it. Yeah, Kathy does talk about, like, hey, maybe we should get out of the house, you know, do this, do that. George just gets angry and like, um, we wanted, the, you wanted this house, I bought you the flipping house, you know, we're not going anywhere. Yeah. So he's angry, you know, and she's just like, I acted this yeah. way before. Totally so, on edge, for sure. Yeah, she decides she wants to try to see what's going on on her own. So she does drive to the local library and pulls up the house and the local news and that's when she comes across Ketchum Mm -hmm. which was a witch of some sort that was killed on the property and in the movies you will see that there's they call it the red room and it was they found it on accident it was behind a pantry that's where his spirit and body was put and so now it's kind of starting to make sense okay so this witch Ketchum He's pissed off. Yeah. Creepiest room. He wants us out of this house. That red room? Yes. Gross. <laughs> Cement it up. Close yeah, it up. Yep. Um, and she even sees the the magnets on their fridge spelled out the name Ketchum. Yes, she yeah. does. So when she's looking at the pictures of DeFeo versus George, she's just couldn't believe how much they looked alike. This yeah. is her husband that just popped up. Like, oh my god! So now she's like, "This is this is why this is making sense." So she immediately drives up to the church to talk to pastor and find out like, "Why haven't you been there?" Mm-hmm. And I don't know if he explained that he did or not, but he's like, "Listen, you need to get out of that house. Get your family, get your kids, and just get out. Like, yeah. no good is in that house." So that's what she does. She gets home. She decides. She tells, again, tries to have a conversation with George. Like, yeah. hey, we have to get out of this house. He's not really buying it right now. He's yeah. like, again, we sunk everything we have into this house. We have nowhere to freaking go. Right. So later that night, they have her brother is getting married. George decides to stand up as the best man. Uh, her brother... Takes his coat off. He's counting this money. He counts it like three, four times. He's in such a panic. I have to have yeah the money. It's for the caterer. I cannot lose it. He's so nervous about it. He puts it on the inside of his coat, lays the coat on the couch. Literally 10 minutes that they were there. Yeah. And then they go to leave and he's like, oh my God, the money's gone. And she's like, what are you talking about? They, you know, look under the cushions, look under the couch. It's just gone. And... George is like, don't worry about it. Let's just go. I'll write him a check. 
and we'll mm-hmm. figure it out later. You know, he comes back and they look, can't find it. George is now pissed off. Like, yeah. where is the They searched money? top, like, the bottom of that room, and it was just gone. Yeah, so I think that was kind of like a bulb starting to kick in with yeah. George. Where he's like, something's not right here. So they get back from the wedding. They left early because he wasn't feeling good. The kids had been left with a babysitter, and she happened to get locked in the closet by the ghost or spirit, and she's banging on the door. It won't open. It won't open. The boys are trying to let her out. The daughter is sitting on the bed just kind of watching. Now, I feel like part of her was like, well, Jody Jody won't let me me do this. She's my friend. I'm scared to not listen to her, but Mm -hmm. at the same time, I know this is wrong. So I think she was kind of somewhere in the middle. Yeah, she was on the fence. I think she was, like you said, just kind of scared and didn't know what to do, so she was kind of like in a frozen state, you know? Yeah, so they come home, and the babysitter is in the closet crying still. Her hands are covered in blood, just banging on the door at the blisters. They come in, they let her out, they're yelling at the kids, why did you do that? You know, and the baby says, like, it wouldn't unlock. And George, like, there's no lock on the door. Like, you just, you she's like, it was locked. You know, yeah. even the boys are like, we tried. It wouldn't open. So the babysitter's like, peace out. Yeah. So she takes off. The kids are kind of getting reamed for it. Mm-hmm. The boys are trying to explain, like, it wasn't our fault. The right. door would not open. So now all this is going on. Now you hear band music playing yes. like Big from marching a, band from a football yeah you know game at your high school and okay it's time to go yeah so george finally gets everybody out of the house throws them in the car and drives them down the block they realize harry so they go back he runs in the house he falls through the floor into pool of the ooze that was earlier mm-hmm, that was in the, the toilets. toilets. Um, Harry pulls him out. He scoops up Harry and... Harry's the dog, by the way. I don't think we mentioned that. <laughs> if I didn't, yes. <laughs> um, and they decide to, to take off and never go back. Yeah. That was it. They were done with the house. They were done with everything in the house. Never looked back. Um, completely done which I do not blame them <laughs> that would be me too yes now if you look at the 2005 version they took off on a boat yeah um, Kathy knocks him out with a shovel George and her and her older son throw him on the boat and they drive off to the middle of the water and that's kind of how that one ended but either way they were they were gone they were gone they were gone Yeah, and since they were only there for 28 days, but, like, some people think it's, like, a hoax. They were doing it for fame. You know, was the house actually haunted and they were scared or were they just trying to make a story out of it? Yeah, I want to say that I do believe some of it might have been intensified. They might have fabricated some stuff. Mm -hmm. But... To claim that the whole thing was made up, because people have said that George did it to make money. He bought the house knowing he was going to do that. Yeah. I don't really believe that. Yeah, that's really, that's, like, got to be a big plot 
and I don't think they could have predicted that it would have become such a big story and they would have got money from it. Because they could have just claimed this and people could have just thought they were crazy and brushed it off and it didn't become a story. So I think it was too risky for them to just, you know, plan it all to be this big, huge thing to get money from. Yeah, they claim that he went broke and he couldn't afford the bills, so that's kind of where the story came in. Yeah. Now, they only lived in that house for 28 days. Right. Now, to me, 28 days, that doesn't seem like your mortgage payment came yet. It doesn't seem like you got a cable bill, DTE bill. So to say, oh, we're not even here a month and I can't afford this, we got to go and leave everything we own. Yeah. If they are br- if they were truly broke, they would have taken stuff with them. Your family albums, your wedding pictures, yeah. your kids' stuff. like Yeah, to leave every single thing there. And not even to like, even if they didn't want to go back, they didn't send anyone, send anybody to go get their stuff. Like, they were done. Yeah, now Kathy and George did say that they didn't want the publicity from it. They didn't yeah. want to be on talk shows and interviewed. But later they did break out and do the interviews. And I think that was because after leaving the house, they probably needed the money yeah. to move on. Oh, yeah. They did stay at Kathy's house. I'm sorry, Kathy's mom's house for a little bit. To where it is said in the book that she did levitate there as well. Yeah. Again, she has never been, well, I'm sure now that the book and movies out, she might know. But she was never told at the time that she levitated. George didn't tell her that time either. Again, trying to not freak her out or, you know, whatever. But um, now. Yeah, the fact that she levitated after they left. Like, something followed them or what? Yeah, they're probably still attached. There's some uh, accusations against George from Kathy's older son, Danny. Mm-hmm. Um, we watched the documentary together yeah. called My Animeville Horror with Danny Lutz. Yes. and On Amazon Prime, right? Yes, it yeah. is. And he was very angry with George. Oh, yeah. He hated the guy. He Now, he claims that he brought the spirits on by doing black magic. Now, I don't know if that is from, like, a Ouija board or, you know, just black candles and, you know, chanting. I'm not sure exactly how all that stuff works. But yeah, me neither. I know he's got a lot of books on it. Mm-hmm. Danny said he's seen the books before they even moved in together. And... He thought it was really weird. He does claim that at one point he's seen George take a wrench and levitate it across the room. Yeah, with his mind. Yeah, again, not sure if that actually happens. Now, I'm not calling him a liar. Right. But I'm just one of those type of people, for something like that, i got to kind of see it to yeah, believe. Yeah, because that's, that's, that's crazy to be able to, that's Matilda shit right there. Yeah, some Jedi mind <laughs> tricks. Like, yeah. <laughs> to be able to just move something across the room. And that was before they moved into the Amityville house, he said. I believe so. Yeah, so he said he was doing, like, voodoo and stuff to, like, be able to, like, have all these extra powers. And, yeah, like you said, I don't know. I'm not trying to call him a liar, but I I think he just might have been going through a lot and was confused and yeah. truly believed that he saw that. Now, I do believe that if George was doing that kind of stuff, 100% he could have stirred something up in that house oh, that didn't need sure. to be stirred up. Yeah. Um, but Danny said that that in the house, 
uh, beds did shake and levitate a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. that I would sleep. And he did confirm the flies, that there's hundreds and hundreds of them yeah. at times. So he did say that, you know, something down. was in that house. And yeah. there was some kind of crazy crap happening. You know, he's trying to tell a story. He just wants people to hear his story. He wants people to believe him. But at the same time, he's also going on about how he tried to kill George 50 times. Yeah. Wild 50 times. How like, many different ways, though? Yeah. I don't know. Right? Um, and, like, he's got to be, like, the worst person at killing somebody <laughs> in his life to try 50 times and never succeed. <laughs> and did they know that he tried to kill his dad multiple times? Right. Was it, like, like did a they never get him help? Did they right. never institute him? Like, <laughs> they're just like, oh, Danny. He's up to his ways again, <laughs> trying to murder George. And then he did say he ran away about eight times. Now, again, I don't know how old he was. I think yeah. that stuff was after the house, after the Animeville life. Yeah. Um, but he, yeah, he did not like George. Now, Chris, his other brother, kind of said in an article, he was pointing the black magic stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, at George as well, blaming him for the house, saying that it was him that yeah. stirred the stuff up. Again, Missy is, I don't see a lot of stuff about her. I feel like she bowed out of the whole situation. Yeah, there's not much at all about her. They even, it was confusing to us, they changed the names. Yeah. In the movies, and it was like, wait, what is her real name? We were confused at first. Yeah, um, my daughter actually helped me point yeah. this out <laughs> because she listened to her, our rough draft and I was mm-hmm. like wait a minute so when we go back and look in the one movie she's Amy yeah in another movie she's Chelsea, Chelsea yeah. and her real life is Missy and I did look up the boys names as well and and one of the movies I think they're like Matt and Greg yeah so their names kind of change too so it's I just kind of a... go with Danny and right Chris. their real like, names yeah so it's gotta we be group perfect. that up it's probably I just use their real names because there's been Different names with different stories. With all the different films. Probably for privacy reasons, I'm oh, sure. yeah. Yeah. Because, like, even, like, cha- they changed the address of the house. They changed it to, in the movie to 412 and then in real life to 108, right? They did change it to 108 to 112, from 112. Yeah. They also changed the windows on it. They used to call them sad eyes yeah. on the house which is the iconic picture that you see on everything. Yeah. They fixed it to make it look, I guess, happy eyes. Happy eyes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. But they did change the way the house looked. They changed the address. They're trying to keep people. It's such a hot spot for people that know oh, where it's yeah. at. They come. They take pictures. They try to walk around the house. And right. The people that, you know, live there at the time, there's not, they claim there's nothing going on. They yeah. haven't seen, heard, nothing. Yeah, there's been like four or five people who have lived there after the Lutz, and none of them have claimed to experience any paranormal stuff. So they just want to live their lives in yeah. these houses. Yeah, because it's still it's a such private a... property, and to have people constantly being outside taking pictures, I mean, that's going to be exhausting. But at the same time, they kind of knew, they had to know what they were getting themselves into with buying that house. And if I was out there, I'm not going to lie, I'd probably drive by it too. Oh, for sure, yeah. Yeah, it's it. a huge spot. But I did have a girlfriend that said that I don't know when, she did it, but she had posted that she went there and she immediately got sick and felt felt something. Yeah. I don't know if it was sad or depression or 
just it was off. She couldn't like not heavy, just get outside. Heavy emotions. Yeah, yeah, it could be just a sympathy thing, knowing what happened there. Some people's right. empathy, sympathy. Oh, for sure. Kind of, kind of like your mind's so powerful that it's kind of like creates symptoms in your body. Yeah, so that could have been where that was going. Yeah. Um, but so Danny is doing an interview with a gentleman and he asks him like, Hey, would you be willing to take a polygraph test? Mm-hmm. And he gets stone cold and he's like He was pissed. Quote, me and you are gonna have words after this. Yeah. And he's like, How dare you come at me like that? He was so angry. When he said that me and Lo watched it together. We literally, our jaws dropped and we looked at each other. Just like crazy how pissed off at this interviewer he was just for asking. And I felt so sorry for that man. Um, but George and Kathy did both mm-hmm. take polygraph tests. It yeah. was actually by a professional. He was like one of the top five experts in the in America. Yeah. Yeah. And he said that they passed. Like everything they said was true. They didn't seem to be lying. So again, I don't know where the truth lies and the hoax takes over. Right. But I think there's a happy medium somewhere. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And kind of going back to, it it shocked me how the relationships were actually, at least as Danny says, and Chris um, in a different interview, because the, the book and the movies, kind of the remake touches on it a little bit, but like, they just make them seem like they're totally good. They're a happy family. They're, you know, great and nothing's going wrong. But Danny says even before they moved, he was, George was physically and mentally abusive to them. And yeah, so I was kind of shocked to learn that from the documentary. Yeah. And if you read the book, The Anne Revilla Horror, it's by Jay Anson. That is basically from the interviews, from the help with, you know, talking to George and Kathy, that seems to be the story. Um, you can get it on Amazon Prime. That's where I ordered my copy. I think it was like ten ninety five. Yeah. And then, if you watch the nineteen seventy five version, seventy nine, my bad. Um, and it has Margot Kidder, who you also know from Indiana Jones. Mm-hmm. She's in Scrooge with uh, Bill Murray. Then James Brolin played George. He was in Traffic. He was married to Barbara Streisand. That that one, I feel, is the one for scare. I'm sorry, for story. Yeah, for facts. For facts. For uh, Kathy, in that one, I feel like she was a victim of the house, yeah. a victim of the spirit, mm-hmm. of the darkness, um, trying to protect her kids from that. Now, if you watch the 2005 version with Ryan Reynolds, which, if you don't know who he is... You're living under a rock if you don't know who Ryan Reynolds is. Deadpool, The Proposal, Green Lantern. Um, Melissa George plays Kathy. She was in 30 Days of Night, LA Confidential, Bag of Bones. That was a Stephen King book. Mm-hmm. Turned to a movie, which I love the book. But, <laughs> um, and then also in 2005 version, uh, Chloe Grace Moretz, or Moretz, Mm-hmm. Again, not sure the pronunciation. She uh, she played Missy, but I think her name is Chelsea, Chelsea in the yeah. story. Um, you'll know her from Hugo, Kick-Ass. She did the remake of Carrie, and then she also did the If I Stay series. Yeah. Um, that one is more of scare. For that sure. one is yeah. 
they added some stuff. Like, there's a scene where she's walking across the top of the house, Mm -hmm. and Kathy's got to go up and get her. That one has George more angry. I feel like Kathy was almost protecting the kids from George. Yeah. More than the house. Exactly. Yeah, because he he changed so quickly compared to the 1979 one. Like, in, in the first, the original one, George was just slowly kind of getting agitated and irritated, like just a little bit until it kind of more escalated towards the end. Where the Ryan Reynolds one, he was—he flipped a switch pretty quick in that movie. Yeah, I mean, I love that man. I hate to say it, but he was kind of a dick in that movie. Oh, for sure, and yeah. you'll never hear me say that again, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I feel like that was more, he looked more tired, more angry. Now, the difference, too, in this one, the dog got the axe. And I mean, literally. So mad. So. Literally. To me, they kind of could have left that out. Yeah. But. Unnecessary. I um, guess shock value and to add to like the scariness of the movie but like mm. yeah of course and then i am also original Mm -hmm. when it comes to movies i like the originality of movies there are so many remakes and reboots and whatnot now i did like both movies but if i had to pick one it's halloween and i just want to watch one um I would go back to the 79 version. Yeah, yeah. I kind of, I know, like, remakes are, like, hit and miss. Um, You know, I usually like the originals, too, and I do like the original. I think I just love a good horror scary movie, and the Ryan Reynolds version did that for me. His abs did that for me. Well, let's be honest. His abs (laughs) did it for me. But, But also... Um, yeah, it was just, there were more jump scares. It was more of, like, a typical scary movie. But if you're going for, like, facts and story, the original one is the one to watch. I mean, if you had to only watch one, I would say the original. But, but I just love the scariness to the remake. Yeah, we showed my daughter and her best friend both movies. They've been kind of doing research with us. Yeah. Uh, And I asked both of them, you know, hey, what'd you think? My daughter said the original one. Her friend said she likes the remake. Um, and I quote, why didn't you tell me about Ryan Reynolds? Girl, I thought you knew. Join the club. <laughs> um, they are 13, so they're just, I guess, catching up. Yep. <laughs> now, like I said, the remake, um, they took off on the boat. She kind of had to knock George out to, yeah. to save him. Mm-hmm. But you do what you gotta do to save your man, I mean. Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I think I think we might have mentioned this too, another difference from the, the book and the movie, how Jody was a pig in the book and the original movie, but then they changed her to a little girl with like a bullet in her head in the remake. I think they did that again for like the scare value because she did look way scarier than the pig. <laughs> um, and maybe to make it more clear, um, that it was a little girl, like the DeFeo girl, they kind of hinted at, the one who got shot. Yeah, I felt like the end of the movie when she was standing there, though, I felt sad. I like, know, like she was trapped there. Like, yeah, it wasn't her that was actually evil. It was a higher spirit. And she just wanted the family to be there. She wanted Missy to be there. And I almost felt like, oh, I know, like she, she was just trapped there. It was really sad. The book 
in the movie, the original movie, kind of, there was also a scene where, like, the windows slammed down on, was it Christopher's hands? Yes, And was. they get, like, stuck, and he can't get them out, and it was, like, a full panic scene. Uh, but then they lift up the window, and his hands are completely fine. Um, but the second movie doesn't really touch on that either. There's kind of, like, slight differences between the two as far as the facts go. I would trust the original because it's based off the book, which supposedly is exactly what happened in real life. Yeah, and I mean, and there's so much information out there. It's a rabbit hole. I mean, between the book, there's documentaries. I believe Christopher, the second son, is doing a documentary. Uh, yeah. However, I did not watch it, so I can't tell you what it's called. I don't but know I if think it's I out see yet. That it is coming, yeah. so he's now telling his story. Um, although when Danny did his, both the siblings denied the documentary. So I don't know if he's like, well, Danny did his, I'm going to do mine now. Yeah. Or if it's just been years later. Because when right. Danny did his, that was in 2013. And uh, he was, what, 48 at the time? 55? Was I think this... he is currently 55. So he was, yeah, 47, 48, 48 okay. something like yeah, that. And then he was 11 when everything happened. Yeah. Um, but... You can find so much information and so much. There's probably things we forgot. There's probably things oh, we yeah. didn't see. So if you see them or we forgot something, feel free to, you know, email us. Go to horrorwineandcrime.com. Go on our Facebook page, mm-hmm. Instagram. All at Let us know. Wine and crime. Yeah. Yeah, we want, you know, this to be an open discussion because we can learn something from you guys. You might not know something. You can tell Tell us something that you learned from us. Yeah, we wanted to be kind of like a community. Uh, like I said earlier, when we got on here, we kind of gave our shout outs. We're not trying to compete with anybody. We more or less just want to join the community. Oh, for sure. It's so big. And I'm, yeah, so many people, you know, love the horror, true crime thing. So I think a lot of people can just get on board and talk about the different things. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if I could do my makeup great, like Bailey. <laughs> right. I love watching the Bailey videos. Um, but, yeah, let us know. And also, go to our page and look for the donate button. And if you just donate 99 cents every so often, at least once a month, we're still working out the kinks, we are going to do a horror box. Mm-hmm. And yes. your donation of, like I said, just 99 cents, we'll get your name into it. And you have a chance to win a prize box. But your donations will help us get prizes to keep handing out, help us do wine to keep us drinking while we do this for you. <laughs> but mostly it's to put back out into the community yeah. to do fun games with the prizes, the um, help us keep making products and pushing mm-hmm. products out. Exactly. Yeah, and if you want us to touch on any true crime or horror story, if you have a recommendation, yeah, just... Um, post on our pages um our gmail for wine and crime at gmail.com that's also a good way to reach us because yeah we want we want to talk about things that you guys want to hear about yeah and we'd also like to you know maybe even do local stories you know here in michigan we got her on the macomb side on the oakland county side and if you have a local story and people stop talking about it shedding light email us, horrorwineandcrime.com, and let us know, and we would 
totally be happy with talking to you and putting some light out on it, yeah. talking about it, keeping it in the news. We've realized that's one of the biggest things is it fades from the news after oh, so long. Oh, yeah, and people forget. Yeah, so that's kind of another thing. We kind of want to be like the the Michigan girls. we got the guys in the garage from Ohio. we yeah. got the true crime junkies doing Indiana. We figured we can be the Michigan one, and we get the whole Midwestern covered here Midwest soon. trifecta. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> So, well, thank you for listening if you're still listening. Yes. Thank you if you made it all the way. And hopefully you guys learned something or you just enjoyed the story. Oh, real quick. I'm sorry. I just remembered I did not say. Um, I also want to say that George and Kathy, they did end up divorcing in the 80s. It was mm-hmm. like late 80s. But they did stay good friends. Yeah. Um, they ended up having two more daughters together afterwards. But Kathy ended up dying of emphysema in 2004. And George died of heart disease in 2006. And I thought, even after they divorced and stayed friends, to die that close together within two years, I feel like that bond between them two, Mm -hmm. whatever, they couldn't get it together to stay married, but I feel like that kept them Oh, absolutely. Yeah, to go through something like that, and even afterwards with all the press, like, that has to bond you for life. I meant to say that earlier, and it slipped by me. So much, so many uh, pieces of information that we have going through here. Yes, but again, thank you for listening, and hopefully, uh, we'll be back next week, and we'll have some listeners. Yes, new story cover, and let us know your favorites too. So, uh, yeah, we'll till next time. Thank you. Stay creepy. Stay creepy, creeper. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye.